Welcome to Season 5 of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life back into your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate, and I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast, where we can face the challenges of this lifestyle together. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Life Giver Podcast. This is a crazy time in our world where many of you are in your homes together trying to quarantine. I know that there's a lot of uncertainty going around as well as deployments and PCS orders are delayed. And it's just a real big time of stress and also probably a time of stress in your marriage as you guys are struggling with date nights and communication and finding time alone or even communicating during that extended deployment. So if you missed Matt and I joining the USO last week, I wanted to make sure that I brought that to you. It was a great evening where we answered questions for military couples all over the globe, and they asked some really great questions. And it was just a great conversation with some humor and some um, truth speaking as well. So I'm really excited to bring to you our conversation with the USO. Everyone out there joining us today, we are so excited to have coffee or whatever you're drinking right now with, like Danielle said, our favorite couple, Matt and Corey Weathers. Corey is a repeat, our first repeat Coffee Connection Live guest. We had so much fun with her last year that we wanted her to come back. And she said she wanted to bring a special guest of hers. So here we are. Um, Corey, Matt, I'm going to kick it over to you guys to introduce yourselves and uh, tell the group who you guys are. Well, first of all, thanks for having me back. I mean, we had such a great time and there were so many questions. And um, so we're just really excited to be here. And we figured, you know, we're stuck in our house, just like all of you guys are probably stuck in yours. I know some of you guys have um, your service member is deployed and you're separated. And we hope to cover some of that tonight too. But since we were stuck in the house together, I thought, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about marriage, um, you know, couples really want to hear from both of us and hear both from my perspective and his. So this is my husband. Matt. I'll let him introduce himself here in just a minute, but my name is Corey. Like you said, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I'm a military spouse, obviously. Um, and I use a lot of my, um, counseling skills, my clinical skills to work with organizations on military culture. And so, um, I could go on and on, on just general stuff, but we're going to try to make all of these introductions brief so we can get to all of your questions. So that's me. You want to go? Hi, I'm Matt Weathers. I'm a chaplain in the U.S. Army. Anything I say today will not be representative of the Department of Defense, um, and retweets do not equal endorsement. So uh, I'm I'm not stuck in the house. I'm enmeshed with Aww. my lovely bride. So everybody Aww. else is stuck in your house. I am blessed. So that makes me look really so bad. Frame of reference. It's all how you frame that. So yeah. <laughs> That's why she goes first with the introduction. He messes so with me all the time that way. He's like, I'm going to let her go first and then I can trump her. It's right. a really great strategy in your marriage. There you go. Tip number one. Yeah. I can tell this is going to be a lot of fun. So everybody get excited. I hope you all are just comfortable and cozy wherever you're at. Um, maybe wearing fluffy slippers. I know it's evening time for some of us. It's morning time for some of us. We have spouses from all over the world with us today. So Let's just jump right into it. Um, you know what? Let's talk from day one. How did the two of you meet? Tell us that story. 
Yeah. So we met in college actually. Um, and we were like 19 and we always tell the story that we kind of really didn't like each other when we first met each other. Yeah. So she was totally who she is currently. She's a power suit. <laughs> and I was very much a type B person. Like I never saw myself being in the military. I think I no. wore the same thing to English class like every, every day. day in my yeah. freshman year. So yeah. Yeah. And so we got married literally the week after we graduated undergrad. And um, a few years later, um, he came home and said he wanted to be a chaplain in the military. And I said no. And that was about a year and a half of me saying no. And because it just was not on our list, right? It was not something we talked about. Um, And you know what? Honestly, it's been the best thing ever. I can't imagine doing anything different. Um, He's an amazing chaplain. He's an amazing soldier. Um, and so we haven't looked back since. And I've honestly, my whole career and my whole life has, has just totally embraced it. So we've been married 21 years almost oh. in May. And we have two boys, 12 and 15, who are downstairs trying to stay as quiet as possible and really thankful that we sent them down to their video games. And um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the nutshell. Love it. Matt, anything else to add? Um, well, one of the cool things when we were deciding to leave the, the reserves and come on active duty for the chaplaincy, um, it, it was a passion of her heart because she saw the need that was out there that families and soldiers had. And so I was really glad that she actually didn't just get on board, but really saw it as a mission that the same way that I do. And um, it was important that I communicated to her initially that if we're going to do this, we're going to do this as a team. And right. it's been something that we just have this this serendipitous relationship that I mean we knew we wanted to assist marriages even before we were engaged mm-hmm. and uh, and so when we started moving into the route of chaplaincy and really wanting to help out service members and families, um, I told her I was like if we're going to do this we've got to do this as a team, right. and that has given her full license yeah. like she, she didn't need that but that has given her full license to be creative passionate and uh, and as driven as she is mm-hmm. um, to really love service members and their family and their spouses and, um, and just to be on board. So it's been, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. When I love that you say team, because a lot of the spouses that are on the call with us today really said that they wanted to focus on teamwork and how to, how, how can they build that team with their spouse? So I think we'll get into that a little bit later, but, um, love that you hit on that. So let's jump into, (coughs) since everything's been happening the past couple of weeks, what's been the hardest challenge for your marriage during this time with so much togetherness? Yeah. So I'm going to double check. Can you still hear? Okay. No, it's okay. Going so um, if you, if you don't mind, I'm actually going to yeah. switch and make sure that we can, he can hear as good. So we're going to take these out and okay. use. So give can us you, just one second here. The, yeah. Um, we're going to use the computer. Because mm-hmm. it's not fair um, if I can hear and he can't, right? Yeah. I'm really the, probably the better planner of the two and she probably <laughs> plug things in. I mean, that's by the end of the day, I don't know how many other service members out there. I'm like walking around, closing things, shutting things down, plugging things in, just making sure everything's prepared. And she's blessed with a lot of other talents. And that's just, (laughs) it's just not one of them. Okay. So can you hear us? Okay. Yeah, we can hear you great. And there's no echo or anything going on. No. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So ask us that question again, because we, we derailed you for a second. No, absolutely. So what's been the hardest challenge for your marriage within the past couple of weeks with all of this togetherness being together all the time? 
Yeah. So you're looking at me. So I will ask, I'll answer that one first. So, you know, there's lots of ways that I can answer that for us. Um, we kind of joke and have accepted that, you know, we marry our opposites. Typically people marry their opposites. I'm an introvert. I've grown, I think a little bit more introverted, the older that I've gotten. And he is naturally an extrovert. And that means not just, um, people groups that we're around, but also how we process information and the time and space that we need. Very close. He gets very close (laughs) all the time. (laughs) And so, For us, I think um, it's probably what a lot of you guys are experiencing too, which is um, for that introvert that needs that space or thrives off of quiet and really my creativity comes from really concentrating in the quiet and having that space. um, I have to find that good balance. And he is the introvert or the extrovert that wants to talk and wants to process. and, And I do enjoy that too. And so we have really had to communicate a whole lot more and organize our time a little bit better and be respectful of both sides. And so, so really trying to figure out how do we get a little bit of what both of us need throughout the day so that we aren't just really on top of each other space-wise. Right. We'll get on top of the rest of that later. Other ways of being able to <laughs> But I mean, I think that would be one of the challenges that I would bring up. So this is... Um it was years ago that we under, began to understand ourselves and our introversion and extroversion. Um, I got certified in Myers-Briggs and brought it home. I was like, hey, this is me. This is totally me. Let's talk more about me. And, um, and what I realized was I was expecting things of her that she couldn't do, yeah. that, she, uh, that it would take energy from her in order to, to be who I was expecting her to be all the time. And so once I began to really understand what introversion is, it's not that I don't like people, but you know, sometimes it can be draining and having to create that conversation. Right. It allowed me to um, see the world through her eyes and then to, I don't want to say give permission because she didn't like ask permission. It's not that kind of, but sometimes she'll feel bad if she's like, oh, is it okay if I kind of pop smoke and like go get a coffee and then go upstairs by myself. Is that going to hurt anybody's feelings? Mm -hmm. And I had to go, no, that's actually really good for you. Who you are when you come back from moments like that is a better person because you're energized, you're centered. You've had an opportunity to figure out what your words are. If we've been in an argument Mm -hmm. Um, and then whoever, you know, she comes back downstairs or from going to get coffee or, or doing whatever. And she has a better view of the world. It's, it's a much more centered view of the world. Mm-hmm. And likewise, for me, sometimes I have to be like, okay, this is going to take me five to 10 minutes of rambling before I really know what I really want to talk about. So I just need you to pause. The first thing out of my mouth is not, mm-hmm. is not what I'm thinking. It's right. just the beginning part of it. So give me that, that place and that space. And, um, you know, we'll, I'll have like little eye roll signals. If she's like interrupting me, (laughs) she's like, I want to, I want to, I want to couch in on that thing you just said. And I'm like, but that's not the thing. I've got five more things before Before I get to the the thing. thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's understanding and respecting and then really giving that place in that space. Yeah. And I, after doing a lot of these coffee connection lives, we keep hearing a lot of making sure to give yourself at least 15 minutes a day for yourself, you know, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like Corey that you, you're even saying that you need that time to go away, just kind of have you time. Um, And just hearing that again and again, um, I think we all really need to try to practice that right now, especially. Yeah. And I just want to remind everybody that for most of us, you can still go out on your back, your back porch or your front porch, and you can still get that time and find the time that you need. Um, 
you'll hear us probably say it a lot tonight, but just to find your words, whether you're extroverted or introverted, just finding your words for a marriage makes a big difference. So I found these. Oh my goodness. And I had to, well, I'm in school right now at CGSC. So I had to like block out the world, but it like decreases everything by like 30 decibels. So you just pop these puppies on and you can't hear a thing. It's awesome. Oh my goodness. So if you need to communicate to your extroverted spouse, like it's me time and I need 30 minutes of me time, just grab a pair of these. It's wonderful. It really communicates it well. The fact that those are so close are so right big. now, that's, <laughs> you knew exactly where those were. <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh, okay, well, then this is good. Um, and those headsets might be this, but what are some positive things that have made your marriage stronger the past couple of weeks to exclude large... Like, like tuning your spouse out. Just yeah. tune them out. You know, no. weeks go by. Nobody even notice. Yeah. We're in no the way. same sweatpants. Nobody notices. Nobody notices. Yeah. Um, you can tell that the quarantine is affecting all of us to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and you know what? We do need to have a sense of humor, I think, mm. for sure. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the positive things that we have discovered in, in during the quarantine and being in close is what you're asking. Yeah, and, and what's made your marriage stronger the past couple of weeks? I mean, I think, um, you know, the word that I know we've talked about a lot is, and you'll, you probably have heard it a lot everywhere too. And that's just being intentional. Mm -hmm. We've really had to ramp up our communication in a much more intentional way than maybe we were even doing before. And we really do work hard on our communication, but this is a time for that we have needed to even be more is the word communicative mm-hmm. more intentionally than, than before. And so sometimes it is little things like, um, you know, for example, he did, I was in a two week quarantine when I came back from a trip, when all of this started. And so I really didn't leave our bedroom for two weeks and he was doing all the cooking. He was doing all the cleaning and he was really carrying the weight of the house and the kids and everything. And so shortly after that quarantine, you know, I was out and I was working on the computer. I was doing some work. And so it was just the fact that he came over and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I really need a break from cooking tonight. Would you mind planning and cooking tonight? So I could have a break from that. And I would have done that anyways, but it was the fact that he took that step to communicate more intentionally. You know, there's lots of ways we, we in marriage could have said that, right. We could have said, you know what, like I've been doing this for weeks and you know, all that resentment, if it's there, right. But to be kind and to be more specific than you feel like you normally have to be. And so I think we have actually tried to work a little bit harder on that to not, to make fewer assumptions and just speak a little bit more clearly. Is there something else you would say? Um, I'm, I'm in school right now. So I'm in, in classes. I would always encourage couples to be growing constantly, individually <laughs> and together, whether that's personally, uh, whether that's professionally. And then that gives you something else to talk about yeah. when you're in quarantine and you've got nothing going on except for you know, however many reruns of Netflix you're watching, um, you can run out of stuff because you're, you're doing life together and you don't really have anything new to talk about. But if you're reading a book, if you're watching a TED talk, whatever you're learning to be able to sit and go, here's what I'm learning and here's why it fascinates me. It's not just for self-development, but it also gives your spouse a window into like what you really love and what really gets you excited and, and how, you're, how you're going to be better on the other side of this. We came up when we were at Ford Stewart we were working like crazy, working every weekend. And at some point in time, we were like, you know, just 
we came up with a bunch of phrases. We were like, go team and fourth quarter and, you know, make it count. And for us, make it count is if you've got anything hard that you have to do or go through, don't just go through it and go, well, I'm glad that's done. Mm -hmm. You know, by the end of this whole thing, if all you did was just survive it, I mean, for some folks that's necessary, but if you're at home and you're safe and you're just going to survive it and get on the other end, I mean, like, but so what did you do? Right. I mean, how did you get better? I mean, hopefully by the time that you hit the ground running, when this is all over and I can imagine people are going to be running out of the house. <laughs> literally. But when you hit the ground running, you know, um, this is a great opportunity for self reinvention. Yeah. It's a great opportunity to go, the things that I set down, do I want to pick them back up? Yeah. Or is, do I want to just completely go in an entirely different direction? I think something that's been great for us is it's probably the first time in a long time we've been able to get a life rhythm. Yeah. And so we actually charted meals. I charted yeah. meals, you know, went through and got an inventory of what's in all the refrigerators and was like, here's what we're going to have. Because for the kids as well, they need a little bit of that structure as well to know what they can expect. Right. You're just going day to day to day and, and people don't know what to expect. Yeah. It's like a cruise ship just doing circles in the Caribbean. And I think that gets to what you mentioned earlier is the teamwork and that this can be an opportunity for couples to create that team rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Matt, you mentioned something, was it life rhythm or something? I, I, lo I love that. I've never heard that before. And I maybe others have, but the fact that you can, this is the time to do that. Like document that. Been, I mean, if we're, if we get honest, Mm -hmm. there is no rhythm in the military mm -hmm. on any given day. I mean, there are, there are some rhythms, but you're constantly adjusting. You're constantly in a reactive mode. And there's a lot of people that are still going to work and still doing it, but things have slowed down. Expectations have greatly decreased. And I read a great article today that was like, you know, the scariest thing about this whole thing is the silence and the quiet that people are now forced to live in. I mean, you look at, New York is like shut down and you can hear birds standing in Times Square. I think they had coyotes that were walking on the, the, the Golden Gate Bridge. We'll wow. never have anything like this again, probably in our lifetime. And so what are we going to, how are we going to frame this experience as we go through it? If you're just going, oh, this is miserable. Well, like for instance, we love shopping. Oh, I love going to a store, just walking around trying to convince her to buy stuff. Right. It's like yeah. all the stuff. Yeah. So I mean, she's a little frugal, but you know, every now and then I get her to buy stuff. <laughs> well, now, if we're honest, we use that as kind of self-medication. Yeah. yeah. And now that's been taken away. So the introvert, the, the introspective look that we're all having to take in this mm -hmm. quiet uh, is key. And if we don't yeah. emerge on the other side better, having really done that good analysis, we've missed out on an amazing opportunity. Yeah. It's huge. Thank you guys for this. This is great. And I, I know a lot of people are truly appreciating this in the chat box. I'm actually going to stop there. Danielle, is there anything that needs to be on our radar or do you want me to keep going into some questions that we have? Yeah, we have no questions. Um, I would just remind everyone and encourage you if there's something on your mind, um, please share it in the Q&A box if you have a specific question. You can submit questions anonymously, um, and we will also respect everyone's privacy, so no worries. I will not read out loud um, first and last names and um, any of that when I read your questions. So I um, invite you to throw them in there. Great. Thanks, Danielle. 
Uh, a lot of the questions that were coming in when spouses were registering were um, talking about communication. Why do you think so many spouses want to want to talk about communication in marriage? You know, I, I saw some of those questions and I had the same thought, right? It's um, I, on one hand, I'm not surprised as a clinician and, and he does counseling as a chaplain too. That is like the number one request from couples is how do we increase communication? You know, in-laws is in there. Intimacy is also in the top five of reasons couples might struggle. And so it's not surprising at all to have so many questions on increasing communication. So I think that's a normal thing. I mean, we've got two totally different brains, two narratives and stories that have come together and are somehow supposed to magically get along and supposedly read each other's mind and somehow do this all really well. And the reality is, is that we're also both very flawed and those stories bring, um, beliefs and sometimes lies into the relationship too, of lies we believe about ourselves even. And so it just kind of mixes up into something that's a far more challenging and more difficult than sometimes we realize. And so um, it's normal to have so many questions about communication and to want to see that improve. And then you mix into that, this lifestyle that's so chaotic, that pulls us apart, um, where we have these very big separate experiences. Those of you spouses who are not dual service and you're at home and maybe you're raising small children and your spouse has found a sense of purpose and, in serving and goes through deployments. I mean, it, you have these separate big experiences that happen too. And then, you know, we've talked a lot with within the USO and I know Brittany covers this as well, but you try to reintegrate and it's like, how do you bring those worlds together? And so communication is a huge issue, but it's so crucial to your relationship. And kind of going back to what we said here in the beginning is that we sometimes make communication harder, I feel like, than it needs to be. And so um, we we, assume, we start assuming, we start misunderstanding, we start doing a lot of guesswork in our relationship because we think that because, you know, we hear things like marriage is supposed to be two people that become one and that we magically have one brain together. And really communication is about, I need to actually communicate what is in my head and what's in my heart verbally as clearly as possible to this person who doesn't fully understand and know what's going on in me and vice versa. And so right. being able to communicate that more clearly is really what I think people are wanting to um, be able to get that out, but also feel like they're understood. And I know that there's a lot of people that are also trying to figure out, like, how do I get my spouse to open up and communicate to? And that's a big question. Yeah. And for the spouses that feel as though they had the communication there, but then it kind of faded away, what would you recommend the to the spouses saying, how do you start that conversation with your spouse saying, can we talk? Like, is it as simple as that? Well, I think it depends on what's going on in yeah. the couple. It depends. There's a lot of variables, right? Everybody's different, has different things going on. But I know, and I'll let you respond to this mm -hmm. too, but um, I think one of the things that comes to my mind when I'm working with couples is... Um, you know, I think that we have incredible influence into our marriage. We can't control our spouse. We can't control their behavior. We can't um, make them do anything. We can't make them communicate better, but we have incredible influence, right? Like if I am being nasty and if I'm nagging and if I'm always irritable, then that has direct influence into whether or not he may want to communicate with me, right? right? 
Sure. So, but if I am approaching things with grace and I'm kind and I'm, um, I even, I had a session earlier today where I had to tell a spouse, like sometimes instead of being quite so direct, what you're saying and communicating is fine. It's like, it's a good thing to ask, but sometimes we just need to roll it in, in kindness because yeah. it's for, out of respect for the other person. I was like, just roll it in some sugar. Right. right. It's still yes. the same truth. I love that. Gonna roll it in some sugar, like a sugar cookie. It just goes down a little bit better. Right. Yeah. She asked me to do that a lot. <laughs> I love that though. I'm used yeah. to a little bit of sugar. Like, I literally probably need just a big bucket of sugar for all my comments. <laughs> right. right. But I think that's also respecting the two different styles of communication sometimes too. So I, just to wrap up what I was saying, I think you just have influence in, into your spouse's heart. And so my answer to that would be, we can remember that influence and model what healthy communication looks like. And I think that that goes a long way in modeling that and being able to hopefully see your spouse reciprocate. So what would you say? Um, well, it's, it's awesome because we were reading over some of the pre-questions yesterday. We actually argued about the we communication did. question. Wow. Because she read it out and I started answering it. She was like, no, 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 that's, that's not what not they're asking. <laughs> and I was like, but it literally says, why is communication important? And I'm telling you why it's important. She's like, they're not asking that. <laughs> like, that I hear the words, why is communication important? I, what is the other way that you can say it? But it's indicative of even for a couple that have, we've got master's degrees in counseling mm -hmm. and we do really well, sometimes too well at trying to uh, articulate our words and choose our words wisely that um, she's got her own experience and it, and, and her words are filtered through her worldview and her experience. Mine are filtered through my worldview and my experience. She has um, emotions that are attached to ideas that, those ideas don't have emotions attached for me and then vice versa. Um, I often use the, the, is it okay if I talk about yeah. the, what is it, bone arrow? Um, so <laughs> I use this example. I would have a Nerf gun. We did this when I was at uh, an intelligence Some agency. Sound effects. And um, well, I mean, you don't have sound effects. I might as well throw them in. Um, yeah. So, um, I'm like the guy from uh, Police Academy, but not that good. So it's like a bow and arrow. There are many, many parts to a bow and arrow and really communication just boils down to, I have something in me and I want her, I want it to register the same way in her. Right. And that's a, that's an expectation that she'll probably never meet. So even when we're like, no, I'm so passionate. I can't believe this person said this. And I'm like, join me in this passion. She may be like, I really don't care. I, maybe I don't get it. Maybe I don't understand it. Maybe I don't really care. And I can't join you in that. And I've got to go, okay, this may be something that just I am passionate about. Mm -hmm. But she's gracious enough to tolerate that overwhelming passion about that thing and vice versa. Um, mm -hmm. I've got to sit and think my thoughts through well so that if there is something that we're trying to deal with and work out in our marriage, that I don't do damage as I'm trying to come her direction and fix something. And that's a key thing is that I may feel a certain way about something and be hurt, but in the process of like wanting to connect, because communication is about connection. Yeah. I want your internal world and my internal world. I want them to gel. I want them to come together so that you see me. I want to be seen and I want you to pause and see that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we've just got to maybe articulate it just like that to go, this is a key thing. If, will you just take a few moments to hear what's going on in my internal world? 
for men, I'll say this for men, crayons, crayons. Yeah. All right. So men are born with four crayons, right? Uh, mad, ready, like red, green, blue, and black, right? We're mad, sad, glad, and anxious. All right. And if we're sad or anxious, we become mad. So really we're either mad or happy. All right. And so if you think about all the things and, you know, that go on and I'll stereotype, stereotype and say a male service member, but it, I mean, it definitely occurs with female service members as well. Um, the amount of anxiety or sadness or anger that you can feel on any given day as, as that translates. So really you're talking about two crayons for me, loving family grew up well, but I still only grew up with a few crayons. So I don't know how to express that really well. And if I don't know how to express it, I don't have control over it. And if I don't have control over it, I'm afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm feeling anxiety, to go into a place that creates more anxiety, mm -hmm. I am not going to go there because I don't have control over that. Right. So sometimes well, it comes down to like elementary communication skills. And a lot of those, Corey can share those, uh, those links. Mm -hmm. But really, it's just taking it back to elementary school and learning something that many of us never really learned to do in the first place. Well, and just to like do the other half of that metaphor, women typically are born with a box of 64 crayons with what a sharpener in the back. What is fuchsia? Right? What is fuchsia? So many emotions, so many words behind those emotions. And I did not get a chance to send this to you guys as a um, resource, but feelingwheel.com is an amazing um JPEG image of a feeling wheel that you can print off and put on your fridge. It's amazing to work in your marriage. It's amazing to use with your kids to help find those words because it literally is all the colors. It's all the colors and it does an, a great job. So I know that's a long answer to your question about how do you get someone to communicate more, but I really do love the fact that um, Matt said that really the root issue, the issue is not usually communication. That's really not the real issue. Like he said, the issue is connection. Mm -hmm. People want to communicate more because they want to feel connected with your spouse, with their spouse. And so I think changing mm -hmm. even your words a little bit and just replacing communication with connection goes a long way to go, Hey, I miss you. I want to connect with you. And you know, it would be great if we could just sit down and you can listen to me for a while. And I might use all the words, but I'll feel connected if you listen to me, or I'd love for you to open up because then I would feel connected to you. Yeah. I love that. Excellent. Thank you guys. This is fabulous. And I mean, the fact that we did spend so much time on that is it's important because that was the biggest thing that was that the biggest topic that I saw that spouses wanted to talk about. So please no worries on that. But I did want to check on Danielle because I'm starting to see that there's questions in the Q and a box. So Danielle, what, yes. what's out there I'm for us? I was hoping you would come to me. This sparked a lot of great questions. So I'm so excited to get to these. And I'm wondering if um, Matt is either just really in tune with our audience or if he saw one of these, because I swear you started to answer one. He did. Um, okay, so I read the one at the top and I want to give a great resource uh, for the one at the top where it says, I've noticed resistance to change and perhaps it's a communication of why. So Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. Uh, he has a book called Start With Why. And your ability to know your why uh, is crucial to be able to communicate and get other people on board. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about Simon Sinek is he actually has a program where you can go through and it's kind of a step-by-step -step thing that helps you discover your why. And I think it's like $9 if you're a service member or a spouse 
family member of a service member. And it literally is just questions that you go through and answer that help you kind of look back at your life experiences to really hone in on that thing that you're passionate about. Um, you can go up to people and tell them what you're going to do. You can go up to people and tell them how you're going to do it, but they're not bought in. But if you go in and you tell them why something is important and how it really excites you. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. Right there. Um, if you go in there and you tell them why it matters, they see your heart and huge in marriage. And if we believe the best about our spouse, that our spouse really has our best interest. And you're like, when you do, we use a little thing called X, Y, Z. When you do X and situation Y, I feel Z. Um, but you can also say, when I do this, it gets me excited. I become a better person. I have more energy. I want to be this person in your life. But as it stands right now, I don't even know who I am. And I really got to figure that out so I can be more of the fullness of who I am. Too many people are living like the mirror, like the mirror version of like, not like a meerkat. Those are cute. So cute. <laughs> but when you're mere, like the mere human, you're just like barely fulfilling all the requirements for being alive. Mm -hmm. You don't really full, you're not really feeling that aliveness. When you tap into your why, it really gets you, it gets you going. And there are many what's and many how's for one why. And so it will transition over time. It's a wonderful thing. Wonderful concept. Love it. Thank you. That's, it's really funny because you actually started answering another question, Matt, not just that first one. <laughs> so let me read off this one because you started to touch on things that you're interested in and passionate about and perhaps your spouse isn't. So someone is asking, how do Corey and Matt deal with situations when perhaps he might like to do something and she isn't really interested in it? For example, my husband loves to make knives and work in his shed, but I truly do not find any interest in that. So I'm inside the house the whole time. <laughs> um, okay. Well, y'all go first. Could you go ahead, Scott, finish talking? Yeah. Um, so I think that there is a little bit for us, I think there's a little bit of um, it's important to care about what your spouse cares about because they are your friend and they are your lover and they are your um, person, right? And so um, if there is ever a place, and I, you know, I had a session this week where I was talking with someone about this too. So it's a very normal question. So if you're in a place uh, in your marriage where we've just become so separate that you do your thing and I do my thing, then there's a lack of intimacy there, even emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy when he was talking earlier about um, using this time to even dialogue about the things that you're thinking about and growing together. That's intellectual intimacy, right? There's different kinds of intimacy, not just physical intimacy. And so um, I think that for us, there is a little bit of, um, I need to be able to care about the things that he cares about. And he needs to be able to care about some of those things that I care about. Um, he's in a whole world of strategy right now with school. And sometimes I'm in a going down a rabbit hole of website development. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to sit for hours and think about strategy and he could care less about thinking about HTML code. Right. But it is, if something brings joy to your spouse, then I should care about the fact that that brings him joy. And so it's being able to sit down together. And I love to sit down with him for a little while and hear what's on, on his mind because it's, it's really exciting to him. And I like, I want to be, I want to experience 
him being excited because that makes me feel more connected with him. So on one level, I think we do need to, to kind of step into each other's worlds, even if you don't love what they love. It's not saying that you have to love what they love. Um, but I also want to say it's also very normal to not necessarily, so there's shared hobbies. There's mm-hmm. also just mutual respect for each other's hobbies. But I think it's also okay to have a little bit of your own things that you do. Mm-hmm. He works out differently than I work out. I love to go for a run. He would like to not go for a run. Oh, I miss the right? gym. <laughs> right? Oh, the gym. So I think it's, a, you have to have like a little mixture of both. It's like those concentric circles where they kind of all overlap at some point, but that doesn't mean that as a marriage, you should be enmeshed and you have to do everything together all the time. Yeah. So if you're doing, if everything is the same, there's zero chemistry. If you yeah. put salt with salt, you know, you just got salt. But, and that is the extent of my chemistry knowledge. So I will not <laughs> attempt to talk about any other elements put together for chemistry, but it wasn't until, and this was a huge thing for me. So when we first got married, I watched my parents, like, you know, they would go antique shopping together and they would go to bed at the same time. And so when Corey's like, Oh, I think I'm going to bed. I'm like, guess we're going to bed. All right. So I'll follow her upstairs. And she's like, what are you even it's doing? Like yeah. Well, why not? On me. I, yeah oh. I was living quarantine life. I'm living my best <laughs> life right now. So. Like I'm suffocating. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> the room's smaller. Um, <laughs> it wasn't until I realized that I am actually taking away from what makes her a person, um, with whom I have chemistry yeah. by, by doing that. And so, but at the same time, if we were constantly living separate lives, then we wouldn't be in close enough proximity to share a few electrons and have a little bit of that spark and a little bit of that chemistry. Um, there's creativity. So like what, this is to sound, I don't know, you could t- weigh in on this, but like, what about grabbing some headphones and then just go and sitting and reading a book or watching a TV show on the iPad or your phone in the knife shop because I could bet that sounds pretty cool. My son really wants to start making knives. And when I get to Fort hood, I'm going to start making knives. And I'm going to be like a little kid in a candy shop. Cause I'm, I'm dealing with metal and sharp things and it's going to be awesome. But the, what would happen if she missed out on that joy? It, we don't have to be having a conversation. While Which it's actually, and we won't go down this rabbit hole, yeah. but let's, um, sorry, did I talk too long? Oh no, no, no. Okay. It just, it actually made me think about the fact that, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to, um, this is not challenging the person that asked this question. No, this would be something that I would um, challenge to anybody is that for us moms, let me just talk to the moms for a second, right? Because um, for most of us moms who feel like we're managing the household or managing the kids, especially when we're not in quarantine, right? Um, for most of you, it is not a stretch to try to get to know and be involved and know everything about what your child is doing, right? And to share that hobby. And, but when it comes to our marriage, it's like, I don't feel like doing that, right? And so we have to be able to share that love. And it's a a way of like um, sharing that same kind of energy. And I'm not saying that that spouse is feeling that way at all, but I see that for some other spouses that sometimes I, I I even have to do this and look at where the energy that I pour into my kids. Am I also pouring that same energy into my marriage? Mm -hmm. And in our marriage really needs to come first. Mm -hmm. That energy needs to come first in our marriage and then overflow into our parenting as a team. So I also say expectation management. It's not okay for any spouse to go do your own thing indefinitely indefinitely yeah. all right so you got to set a timer and you i mean set a you know allot yourself a certain amount of time to have 
to do what it is that you enjoy doing so that you can have that, that brain dump, that zero for, for, for males, that nothing box where you can just kind of veg out. Um, but then be like, okay, at that time, then I'm going to go on and I'm going to plug in so that I have a balanced life. So I'm not just focused on this one thing. Yep. And I, I want to hit on something that you guys mentioned earlier, where you said that you sit down and then Matt would open up about, you know, feelings or something like that. But I'm going to ask the question because we had one of these questions come in earlier, where what if we have a spouse that... <clears throat> doesn't open up and they hold up, they hold everything inside of them. How do we get them to open up to express their feelings, share their feelings? Let us, let the spouse know what's on their mind. You know, there's, um, there's so many things that could be going on, especially in a military marriage, a service Mm -hmm. marriage. You know, I see a lot of, um, people shut down because of childhood trauma that, that, um, you know, any kind of trauma can stunt you psychologically and you kind of um, stop developing at that age of that trauma or it can cause a lot of regression. And so you kind of shut down in response to that trauma. So there are some people that shut down and don't open up because they either um, don't feel safe. It's not that they don't feel safe with you, but they just don't feel safe enough in the world around them to be able to open up and be emotional. Some of them just don't even know how or what they even think about, you know, whatever it is that you want them to open up about. And so they haven't even determined for themselves what they believe about their circumstances or they believe about their trauma or even just whatever the topic is that you're bringing, right? Like um, sometimes like going back to finding your words, sometimes we don't have words because we just don't know what we think about that yet, right? So there's, there can be a lot of reasons why somebody um, either goes from being open to shutting down, or maybe they've always been the kind of person that it's just kind of stunted or not easy to open up or has those four crayons like Matt was saying. And so, um, you know, I hate to be a little bit redundant, but I think being able to remember that you can model what healthy communication looks like, that you can be patient with that person. I would definitely say if it has anything to do with trauma, because I do get asked that a lot, like my spouse dealt with something during deployment and I don't even know what it was, but whatever it was upset him or her, and they just won't even talk to me about it. And so, those kind of conversations are best to have in a professional setting where um, they have an opportunity to kind of find those words and get some confidence in their ability to start talking about it. And then you being able to come into that session, have that mediator that helps you both talk about it in a new normal kind of way. And so I just want to be respectful of the many reasons of why somebody might shut down in the first place, but you do have the ability to model um, what that healthy communication looks like. And again, going back to reframing it to say, you know, um, hun, you know, and I always say it's kind of rolling in that sugar, right? It's kind of saying, hun, I love you. And when you don't open up to me, it makes me feel disconnected from you. It makes me feel distant. And, and I, I think that you probably want us to feel connected too. And so is there something that I could do differently that would help you feel safe enough to open up to me? Is it that I interrupt you a lot? And so you're afraid to even get going. That's one of the things he tells me all the time you know, is it something else that I could do? And then actually sitting and listening. Um, So hold up. So you said a lot of great things and I appreciate that, but I don't want, I do not want the spouse to feel like it's all on you. It's not. Right. Okay. So I will speak directly to service members and if they watch this, great. Hi, my name is Chaplain Matt Weathers. If this is the only thing that you are going to watch from this entire hour and a half, 
it is worth the next few minutes of your life because the person that showed it to you cares more about you than anybody you currently serve with or that you know. Mm-hmm. they're going to be the only person that's going to be standing beside you when you lose the last name and the rank and you just become a first name and you wander out into the world trying to figure out exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. They care more about your heart and your soul probably than you do. I know this is hard. Okay. Mm-hmm. My wife and I argue consistently. Mm-hmm. All right. Not just con- not constantly, but consistently. It is difficult to try and find your words. It is difficult to try and reach back into that box of stuff that you put on a shelf so you don't have to deal with it. Whether it's the things you've seen or done, the things that have been done to you, the way that you've been treated, the way that you've constantly had to put your emotions on a back burner and not deal with them because maybe you probably get treated like crap at work or you are dealing with a level of complexity that you feel like emotions have no place. I have counseled senior leaders. I have been counseling commanders for the better part of 12 years. And this is one thing I know. You're bringing feelings into it and understanding what's going on in your heart is the most powerful place you can have as a leader and as a servant and as a service member. So if you don't get in touch with them, in order to bring that to your marriage, you're not only losing at home, you're losing at work and you don't even know it yet. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that will make you good at communicating at home will make you an excellent leader Mm -hmm. and an excellent servant and an excellent peer at work. Mm -hmm. It's a vice versa. It's not a dichotomy. You can't be great there and then and bad here. It's going to overflow. So I'm just encouraging you, go talk to somebody. If you don't trust a chaplain, Mm -hmm. I get it. There's a lot of chaplains I don't trust, honestly. (laughs) But go talk to somebody, talk to a peer, at least learn how to have that level of communication and know that your spouse is going to be patient. You've got stuff you've got to work through, okay? We have stuff after 21 years that we're we are going to argue about the same thing until we die. And the cool thing is probably at 95, we'll have the argument, we'll laugh, we'll have some jello, forget that we had the argument, (laughs) life will be good, right? That's kind of how it rolls. And we'll be great by then. You've thought about this, I can tell. Yeah, but <laughs> the jello piece. Yeah. The jello. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, we haven't had jello in so long. Tonight. So tonight. Well, we have pudding, but we don't do dairy. And so there's the rub. So sad. <laughs> so the last thing I'll say, and see, that's why it's hard to talk to me. The last thing I'll say is um to the service member is you're worth it. Mm-hmm. You're worth it. I don't know how you've been treated. I don't know how you've compartmentalized. I don't know why you don't. But I can tell you, you're worth it to allow another human to see everything that's going on inside of you. And it may just be that deep, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But at least show that level of depth. It may be that deep of emotion, but I can guarantee you, your thought life is probably this deep. And they care about you more than anybody you work with or more than anybody you're near. And take it from somebody that developed deep family ties to the people I served with on that first deployment. I still know that she is the number one person in my corner. All right. So find somebody, start talking, learn how to do it, practice it at home in a safe place, and then start to reap those rewards of being seen for who you are, not for what you do, for the rank you wear, how you perform, or whatever your evaluation report says. Mm -hmm. Being seen for being the first name that you are. 
So to there you go. This is great. Thank you very much for this. And I I can see that there's more questions coming. So Danielle, what else is out there that we can talk about? Yes, there are still quite a few. I'll just say everyone I think is already looking at the time and asking if we can have a part two of this. So let's work on scheduling that. Um, But I will throw another question at you. How can we learn to truly forgive each other? Oh, that is such a big question, right? We could do a whole weekend on Mm -hmm. how to learn to forgive each other. And I love the fact that um, whoever wrote this said learn, because it's not, I I think it's not something that comes naturally to any of us as human beings, because it's much easier to stay angry. It's much easier to close ourselves off. And I'll just speak to the women, right? Um, Most women have been hurt by someone and probably hurt by a boyfriend, a father, your husband. Um, And we're really good at guarding our hearts and and just saying, you know what? Um, I don't want to ever go through that level of hurt ever, ever again, and never feel that pain like that again. And so I'm just going to wall my heart up and I'm not going to um, be open and vulnerable with my spouse and hope that they don't notice. And, and so I think that learning to forgive is, is the key. You do have to learn to do something different. And so I think number one, it's realizing that, you know, we are human beings and, and we're all flawed. And I know when I went through my trip overseas, Um, and I thought that I was going to learn a whole lot of stuff about him and I did, but man, did I learn a whole lot more about myself by going on overseas? Because what I realized was I got to see a little bit more from his perspective and instead of just seeing it through my lens and I came back going, you know what, I've, I've carried some resentment, um, for a long time towards him or towards the military life or towards whatever. And really what I came home and realized, I actually have a whole lot more to ask him for forgiveness about that I had not even thought of. Things like expecting him to come home and just be perfect and be super man and not be affected by a deployment. I and mean, most times. Most times. <laughs> most times, you got it. You know, but, you know, part of it is realizing that forgiveness is about um, reducing our expectations of the other person and stop thinking that that person has to be perfect or that to reach a standard that's impossible. And if we were to put measure our, ourselves against that standard that we have for our spouse, we wouldn't reach it either. Mm-hmm. And so I would say personally, after 20, almost 21 years of marriage, I think that the, for me, the game changer for me, and that trip was a huge part of it, um, was realizing that I need to extend to him what I need him to extend to me. And I got to go, I got to be willing to go first. And, and yes, forgiveness also is usually paired with being able to ask your spouse to, to make some changes and that we should never be having like a blanket of forgiveness with no growth and no um, changes that need to happen and not communicating what those changes need to be. So it's a mixture of all these things that we're talking about tonight, you know, but you know, if we're talking about communication, we're talking about growth in a relationship, then I, that means I can be forgiving that he is not perfect. Mm -hmm. And if I can accept him as imperfect, then that means I have to see myself as imperfect. And believe me, I see myself imperfect every day. And I have to pay attention a lot more to areas of me needing his grace. And that makes it far easier for me to 
ask um, or give extend him grace as well. So, One thing that was powerful we did back in Fort Carson, yep, Colorado, yep. was it, we had we'd realized after like decade plus of marriage that we had been saying, "Hey, I'm sorry," a lot. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry for that. Hey, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that. But what we we never did was go, "Hey, will you forgive me for?" And it wasn't big things. It was a lot of little things in there too, of little hurts, you know, death of a thousand cuts where we had to go through a list and read in front of one another, will you forgive me for, will you forgive me for? And I mean, we're both like weeping babies. I mean, it was just, oh, you know. That's when you really do see how much of a Band-Aid I'm sorry really is. Because asking for forgiveness is, you know, I always tell people, it's kind of like Indiana Jones in the last crusade when he gets to the end, you know, and he has to go through that obstacle and he goes, a penitent man shall pass. A penitent man, you know, right? And he, he, what does he do? He has not, he doesn't walk through because the person that walked through had his head cut off, right? He has to roll. He has to kneel. And that's what asking for forgiveness is. It is humbling yourself before somebody and saying, I'm at your mercy, metaphorically speaking, I'm, I'm at your mercy. And I may have done something that I deserve for you to feel distant. I deserve for you to give me that distance, but I'm humbly asking that you would have mercy on me and still accept me into your presence. And so being able to ask for forgiveness is definitely something we have to learn because it is not easy Mm -hmm. to make yourself humble in that way and be vulnerable in that sense and be at the mercy of your spouse. But you also have to remember that your ability to extend forgiveness is that when your spouse is saying that they're sorry, and if they're not saying it perfectly, maybe sometimes we accept that they were at least trying to say they're sorry and give them a little bit of grace that it may not be perfect, but they're at least trying to humbly find some restoration or resolution in there somewhere. I know I interrupted you. No, it's, um, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking through what I was going to say, like living perfect. the life of an extrovert or introvert. Um, To ask for forgiveness is to acknowledge that you've done something wrong. Implied with doing something wrong is that there must be a right. There might have been, there must have been a right way of behaving. What I see a lot of couples is they've never come up with their rules of what, what is the right way of behaving in this marriage? Like, what are we going to say? That's a limit. That's a rule. You know, you're not going to, we're not going to talk to each other that way. We're not going to bring up the word divorce. We're not going to yell and scream in front of the kids. You come up with the rules and you both in a, in a very nice moment, you're like, Hey, let's, let's sit and talk about rules. Is that a good rule? Is that a good rule? We're going to agree on that. That's a rule. Mm-hmm. So that when the rules broken, there's almost, you should feel forgiveness is a bringing back. Yeah. Forgiveness is a restoration of a, Oftentimes, it's a restoration of a relationship if the other person is penitent and decides that they will break the negative pattern of behavior that led to the need for forgiveness in the first place. It's a whole nother topic about how do you forgive somebody that has not asked for forgiveness, that has not uh, changed their pattern of behavior. In that case, forgiveness, in your sense, is to free yourself from allowing the other person to rent space in your mind. Because if they're still renting space in your mind and they're still having that effect on you, um, you've given them more power um, from that moment forward than they deserve or that they've earned. You should only give people in your life power if they've earned the right that uh, that they're going to treat you with benevolence and kindness. Uh, so when you're in, when you're going through the pattern of forgiveness, it's an acknowledgement that there's a right way of acting. And we need to get back to that right way. And I messed up and I want to come back into it. It's a, it's a coming back into that. 
And I'll put a I'll put a side note out there is that you know there are a lot of people out there, people you know of faith, and it's no small thing to um to engage your faith in that habit. Yeah, and for those of you who might be asking that question on some really deep hurts, such as betrayal, infidelity, and that can include betrayal financially, anything big mm-hmm. like that. Um, on my podcast, there is a two-part series called um, "The Stages of Affair Recovery" or, or my strategy for working with affair recovery, and it will walk you through the stages of things like um, when do you forgive, and um, what do you do with if your spouse mm-hmm. is not making those behavioral changes, and so you can find a lot of those resources there on the podcast. Yeah. Perfect. Excellent. Danielle, I'm going to go back to you because I know there's some questions out there still, and I know we're, we're close to time, so we'll try to get a couple more in. We'll try to be more brief on some of the questions. Yeah. So that doing sounds great. good. I'll try um, there's a couple in here about deployment. So I'll ask the first one. What is the best thing to do when your husband comes home? Um, what can I do to make his life easier? I don't want to overwhelm him. Ooh, I want to take this one because um, Matt really helped me with this. And, you know, I think when you're going through deployment as a spouse, um, I don't know if some of you guys have um, felt this way, but I know when he was coming home, so much had changed in me, so much had changed in my kids. And I was so afraid when he came home that I didn't want to tell him all the ways that the kids had changed because I thought it would make him feel really bad for missing all of those things. And so what I did, and it was a mistake, was I just, I just didn't catch him up on those things and hoped he would just figure them out by himself. And that's part of that um, poor communication and not speaking clearly and directly. And so after he came, you know, the first day he comes home, he lets me sleep in and he decides to make blueberry pancakes for our kids. And then it, you know, of course the kids stopped liking blueberries in the last year and he didn't know that. And it was his first big act as dad being home. Right. And I set him up for a fail because I didn't communicate. So we sat down and he said, here's what I need. He said, I need, I need um, a list of everything that you can think of that has changed everything that, um, that discipline, what you're doing with a discipline. If you can tell me what those are, what do they like a different show? Do they like a different toy? Like whatever, what's changed in me, like give me, you know, and when you think about it in the military, you know, they can do all the training back here at home and then they go overseas and they go to where that mission actually is, but you better believe they're going to meet with everybody in theater and see if anything has changed since they did the training back at home. So they don't walk into something that's a nightmare, right? (laughs) So they're used to being briefed and they're used to plans changing and they're used to being um, updated on things that have changed so that the mission succeeds. And so if we can see reintegration as an opportunity to, to have a new mission together and that the mission can be more successful if we communicate clearly so that everybody does their part of the mission well, then, and we work together as battle buddies to make that, make sure that mission succeeds and it's going to go better. And so when he asked me for that list, I, I did come back to him and say, but I feel like you're going to feel so bad, like you missed so much. And I, I remember him coming back and saying, but it's far worse mm-hmm. if I'm walking into it feeling like I'm a failing father. Right. So I would just say one of the best things that we have learned ourselves and one of the things that we've spread, like we're spreading right now, not virus, but spreading information <laughs> is, is, is just to communicate those things that have changed and communicate whether that's what's going on in you or what's going on in the kids or, um, 
if you identify during that reintegration that you didn't even realize that you have a certain way of loading that dishwasher, right? That you just didn't even know that that was a thing until he did it a different way, right? That's that time to communicate and go, thank you so much for your willingness to do the dishwasher. Um, I've been doing it a certain way and it's going to take me a moment to adapt. And so if I seem a little bit off, it's not you. I'm thankful for what you're doing. I'm going to let you keep doing your thing, but I'm adjusting to doing it my way. And so if I I'm just going to walk out of the room and let it happen. Right. Or, you know, it can be all these little things. And and I know spouses for sure back at home, you might find there's these little things that you had no idea were super important to you. Like that thing that whatever's on your nightstand, I know you know what it is, right? It's that one thing that just don't touch it. Nobody needs to touch it. Um, Those are those things that you need to communicate so that you set your spouse up for a win. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants their marriage to succeed. We need to set our spouses up to be able to get those wins in. And you also have to clearly articulate your expectations. One of the things that for the longest time has been wrong. I'm sorry, I I need a fidget. All right, so I don't know what... I don't know what to do with my hands. Packs of wild dogs are roaming the world. Um, so uh, one of the things that's gone wrong for all these deployments is that uh, spouses have been told wrongly that it's all about the service member. Service members coming home, they're broken, they've got something going on, you need to give them their space. They've got to, you know, they've got to do all this stuff and all, you know, they've got to reintegrate, take it slow, don't overwhelm them, but it never becomes your turn. Yeah. And it never becomes clearly like your term. So in, the, in, in, in all honesty, it's not up to the military to say, okay, now it's the spouse's turn. It's, it's her responsibility to say, okay, it's my turn. And if that is, all right, I'm going to go away for an hour because you're just trying to get used to kids again. If you've got kids, you're trying to get used to kids again. And if I leave kids with you for an entire day, I don't know what I'm going to come home to. I'm going to go away for 30 minutes or an hour. I'm going to go for for a walk. Let's kind of gradually ease back into you being in the home and getting back into the pattern, into the habit. Then positive reinforcement is a huge thing. You did that well. It may not be the way that you did it. It may not be the way that you did it, but it got done. And at some point, I fold the laundry in the house because there's a certain way that you fold laundry <laughs> but i've got to be grateful when, when i try when she tries and bless her bless her the laundry gets folded and hallelujah it's folded all right now putting it away different thing so sidebar um but the more positive reinforcement so and i don't use it enough but i got these little notes from vistaprint that says it's got a star it's like a plus you know thank you for doing when. it says when it it's like yeah. thank you for doing you know, so I could really train myself to give her positive reinforcement. And I really need to do that more. I've just been. No, but I, I loved it because um, I needed to feel like I was getting some wins in. So he would write it on this piece of paper and stick yeah. it on the mirror and go to work. Like yeah. he was like, thank you for doing this. This meant a lot. To so me. if you think about the way that, that. Service members, uh, the way that service members are trained, we get a lot of flair. We get kudos. Mm-hmm. You get an award. You get a, a you know, out of boy, out of girl. Hey, you're doing a good job. You get an evaluation. We are constantly, you know, pull string, get cookie. We're constantly, (laughs) you know, getting that good positive reinforcement every time we do something right. Right. But if we come home and we never get positive reinforcement, even for the little things, we're automatically going to go, see, I can't do anything right. I'm out. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of like, I just keep failing. Don't I? I just don't know how to talk. 
nobody knows, nobody understands. And there's a shame that comes with that yeah. where you sit there and go, well, where am I going to invest? I'll invest my time where I succeed. Yeah. And if I don't feel like I'm succeeding and the same goes with the service member, you can't constantly sit there and go, Hey, stupid. Hey, why can't you do this? Why are you doing this wrong? What's your major malfunction soldier wife? I mean, spouse, I mean, whatever you are, you're wearing green. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to treat you like a soldier. All right. We can't do that either. Mm -hmm. So we need to be a lot more positive in our marriages. We need to give them a lot more wins. Um, you know, I saw somebody asking a question about, you know, don't know if their spouse is watching. They kept walking away, looking at Facebook. Um, here's the deal. The little bit, you know, yeah, even yeah. the little tiny bit of, hey, I, re I really appreciate, you know, I saw you checked in. I don't know what you felt about it. What were, you, what were kind of your thoughts? And allow them to yeah. be that person's thoughts. Allow it to yeah. be that person's mm -hmm. feelings. And don't judge it. Don't assign a yeah. value to it. Just be like, okay, because guess what? They shared. And, and knowing, having that little bit of, you take all those little bits of intelligence and you just sock them away and you become a little intelligence gatherer and a little analyst and you're, and you're kind of thinking, okay, okay, now I know a little more. Now I know a little more as I'm getting these little bits of information. Now I know how I can change my patterns and my habits. And here's the last thing I'll say, because I definitely want to get this out. I was a huge screw up first five years of our marriage. All right. I've been a screw up since, but I was a huge screw up in the first five years. And, and it really was a matter of, I didn't know how to be married, not at all. And I was still trying to figure it out. And because, were. because I felt like such a loser at the game of marriage, I didn't mm -hmm. feel like I was useful for absolutely anything. I wanted to be a winner. I wanted to feel like I, she knew me and I knew her and we were relating together. I really, really wanted it, but it felt so bad. And then I had some negative patterns mm -hmm. that, that self-shame turned into anger. Mm -hmm. That sadness for a disconnection turned into anger. And me just being a generally angry person that during that time led her to withdrawal. And then she had to realize, you know what? I can't fix him anymore. You know, that's he's got to decide for himself. So by her, and if you look at family systems, she changed up the system by really taking care of her side of the street. Yeah. By not trying to like, carry the entire weight of the marriage, take care of your side of the street, model what is good, model what is healthy, and the other person has to choose to change with you. Yeah, and I and I want to respond to that too because um, you know that we get that question a lot about you know what if only one person is working hard at things, right? Yes. And I would definitely recommend, and I'm not meaning this is like a shameless plug, but genuinely that was a part of my change too. And so reading sacred spaces is a lot about how do you save your marriage if it's by just what you do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it really is about like yes. I I decided that I was you know yes he worked on our marriage, but I needed to realize that I have influence and mm -hmm. what would happen if I stopped worrying so much about what he's doing and I just do what I know is the right thing to do to pursue my marriage. And so this, the one that was asking about, you know, you know, what if your spouse is not taking the initiative? Well, if they're taking a small initiative, then yes, praise them for like, hey, thanks for listening for a little bit. I loved it. And I'd love for you to listen to the whole thing, but I really appreciate the fact that you kind of stepped in for a little bit and listened for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I will say in response to our story that later on, I had to realize that my withdrawal and my silence was just as destructive as his anger. Mm -hmm. So just because somebody is the loud one doesn't mean that they're the most destructive. Yeah. Hey, one other, one other little point. If you want to get, uh, if you want to get male attention and she realized this with both our boys, you actually have to like, like, like put your hand on their shoulder 
because with both our boys, you can talk to them all day long, 12 and 15, and they're not going to, unless you're like you, hey, hey, talking to you. And now, oh, okay, now I'm here. Physical touch. Right here. So sometimes it's just coming up, like holding their hand. Or if she comes up and she like scratches the back of my head to tell me something, she could come up and be like, I really need you to do dishes. I'm like, man, that felt really good. I'm going to do this. <laughs> so sometimes just that little bit of touch, those are positive reinforcements. Yeah. And it's non-sexual touch, which is important to have in your marriage too. Right. Oh, good. Well, let's do one more question. And for the questions that we can't get to, we do hope to have Corey and Matt back again on another show. We'll make sure that we try to get to those questions another time. Um, we are, um, we're not going anywhere for like <laughs> a month or so. I'm That's pretty true. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> Matt said it right here, right now. Oh, yeah. So, We'll see. Danielle, what, what else can we, we um, answer? And then we will have some closing remarks too. This sounds good. I think you actually did touch on a lot of the questions in there. So hopefully for everyone listening, um, I, I think you'll agree. Um, I'll throw a different one at us. You kind of started to touch on this subject. Pun intended, I guess. Touch, right? We we're talking about physical touch. Um, how do you have time for each other and keeping mm-hmm. that spark alive? Um, and particularly for this couple with an eight-month-old. Oh, bless them! I know, right? They're just surviving so at eight months. We we talked about this yesterday. You know, again, going back to the fact that you know we, we almost twenty-one years. We've got teenagers now, and honestly, um, if if we could, if I could rewind the clock, one of the things that I would tell myself going back to when our kids are really small was to have a lot more patience and grace for myself and with him. And so, for those of you who have really tiny kids, it really is a season of survival. Let's mm-hmm. and we need to stop putting so much pressure on ourselves. As Nicole, I know you have a small baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the, maybe it's a toddler now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm losing track of time. Eleven months. <laughs> yeah. How long have we been in quarantine? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it really is about survival and, and taking that pressure off ourselves to try to be the perfect parent twenty four seven and also try to have a perfect marriage twenty four seven. You really um, marriage and life and parenting and everything is ebb and flow, ebb and flow. And so this is a season when the kids are really tiny that you're going to be pouring a lot of energy into being home a lot where you're, it's especially right now, we can't get out for like really creative date nights. And so you're going to have to not only be creative with your relationship, but also lower your expectations of, of the, um, I don't want to say lower the expectations on the quality of it, but sometimes we kind of lower, lower the expectations of quality too. But you may not be able to spend as much time as you used to, especially not spend as much um, uninterrupted time. And, you know, you're going to be more tired than you normally will. But I'm here to say that the season is going to change. And that's why we call it a season. My concern is going to be if the season never changes, Mm -hmm. then there's something wrong, right? If you are just as exhausted when this child is 10 and you still aren't making date nights and you're, you're so focused on the child that you're not now switching mm-hmm. focus to your marriage and balance, finding that balance, then the season hasn't changed. And that's where something, there's a red flag, right? And we're investing so much in our, and you know, just like he said that for, especially we're stereotyping tonight, but those, you can be forgiving on those of you who are dual service and female service members, but we all will, will naturally 
on default, put our most energy into where we feel most successful. Yep. And so for those of you who are even moms, sometimes we feel most successful parenting, most successful with our kids if we're struggling in our relationship. So we end up defaulting and putting all of our energy into our child. It is really important to be intentional where you can to pull back and try to rebalance where you can. But where you have very tiny children It is mere survival for both of you and the mom's experience, especially if you're nursing and it's a lot of physical um, parenting going on, the mom's experience of parenting that child looks different than the father's experience of parenting and that's okay. And so um, it's okay that you're surviving. There's good research that shows that dads um, don't really bond with children until they're like after six, six to 12 months. Why? Because they, it's like they're first, they're, they're really trying to figure out, I mean, you know, you've carried the child, you've, you have a, a certain bond, like a sixth sense with a child. And so for a dad, you're trying to figure out, okay, where do I fit a, in even? You're a new little person. I can't conversate with you and we can't go do cool things yet. So I really don't know how to relate to you. And, um, and many, you know, many males have weren't brought up babysitting <laughs> or being around kids. So you're, you're just trying to figure that out. But going back to like, having a spark. Yeah. So, um, easy enough is to look at like the five love languages you don't even have to buy the book. You can get an executive summary and read it like five minutes. And I'm sure I'll probably get in trouble because I should have advocated purchasing an entire book, but ain't nobody got time for that. So (laughs) you go online, get an executive summary and look, and they're pretty simple to, and then put it in front of your spouse. And here's what I, we both had to realize after 20 years of marriage, Oddly enough, she's not a mind reader. It's like this weird thing. Like I thought I would get married and she would read my mind, but she can't. So what I have to do is I have to tell her things because if I don't tell her things, she doesn't know. And then if she doesn't know them, I can't hold her responsible if she doesn't do them. So when you sit there and go, here are like five different categories of speaking love. What like, how do you best receive that? What really hits home? Like, what's a payday on that sort of thing? Like, she likes gifts and me buying little trinkets. If I come home and I'm buying like burnt peanuts, she don't like burnt peanuts. Who likes if, burnt peanuts? I love burnt peanuts. Boston baked beans, burnt peanuts. They're I was raised topic. on those. <laughs> but if I bring, but here's the thing. If I bring home Twizzlers... For real. For real. So she yeah. might trample the kids to get to the Twizzlers. True. But I if mean, I don't know that about her. But there's a lot of other things that we think we've communicated. And introverts are bad about this. That you think you've communicated it, but you didn't. Yeah. And so the other person wants to show you love, wants to speak your love language, but they don't know what the big payday is. And they don't know really where that registers. So you've got to sit down and communicate that. So it's like, if you're just in a home on quarantine... There's no reason you can't send texts to one another. There's and just a little, I love you. I'm thinking of you. There's no reason you can't drop little notes to one another or that you can't order little things off Amazon that just show up. Everybody loves Amazon. That's why there's a smile on the box. Well, and let's, let's kind of, in order to wrap up, because I know a lot of people would have questions about this too. No, I, this is exactly where you're going to. And just to be more specific, um, I think right now it is really important to, be creative where yep. you can. 
um, maybe to lower our expectations a little bit on each other and on your, your relationship as far as how much time you're going to have and whether it's the most perfect time, right? So if we're going to actually talk about intimacy, especially depending on the age of your kids in your house, you know, it's, it's being more specific in that information. I know that doesn't sound super romantic, but like if there's a lot of misunderstanding, we're going to have issues, right? And so sometimes it's being specific, like, Hey, can we spend some time together during nap time? Like, do you feel like you're going to have some energy? for that. Or it's, you know, no, maybe we coordinate once the kids go to bed or maybe it's, um, we may not be able to be as physical because the kids are like right there all the time and you have a small house and that sort of thing. Um, but it may be the other kinds of intimacy that you're leaning on. Um, there might be medical issues going on where you can't have physical intimacy right now. And so there's things that you can have like the intellectual intimacy, the emotional intimacy, and you lean on those a little bit more. So um, and recognizing that you both have strengths that you bring to the table. And I know we didn't get to cover teamwork as much tonight, but even in your intimacy, um, you may have differences in your intimacy and you need to lean on each other's strengths um, for how, what they bring to the table in your intimacy too, and that you exist to complement each other and you exist to um, help each other out. And so if you're like the mom that has a tiny child and you just don't feel like it, right? Then it's okay for your spouse if they feel like it a little bit more and you, it's okay for you to go to your spouse and go, I just don't have a lot of energy, but if you can help me with that and if you can give me a little bit of time away from the child where I can go take a bath, then maybe I'll be able to find some of that energy. But you have to say those things, mm -hmm. right? have to say those things and then lean on each other's strength of what they bring to the table to help you both meet there in the middle and do the best that you can to find the creativity where you can. This is great. Thank yes. you. Okay. All right. Oh, I hear my toddler running around now. <laughs> <Here we> go. <laughs> So what we can do, if there are any other questions out there, I think um, we'll revisit those the next time we connect. Mm -hmm. um, but for now, how can um, everyone who's joined us or and will be joining us later once they see the recording, how can they follow you, see what you're up to? Um, and we'll start. Yeah. So... Um First of all, we have um, the Life Giver podcast. It's mostly um, me taking what I often hear in the counseling room that couples struggle with all the time. And I originally started the podcast because I realized, man, so many couples are dealing with the same things. If I just put out an episode, it'll hit like a hundred families at once. <laughs> and so that's a lot of what the podcast is, is um, it is marriage um, centric. In fact, the one that's out right now, the episode that's out right now was after we watched um, Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers, and we just sat mm. down together and had just an amazing conversation of how it impacted our understanding of each other, but also our experience in the military separately. And so it was a beautiful conversation. Um, and so it's a, it's a marriage podcast, really. Um, so you'll see he comes in and out of the podcast. Um, you can find me if you're interested in counseling or coaching um, on my website, coreyweathers.com. Um, and then there is the Life Giver directory. You can find it at life-giver.org is where there's all kinds of resources. Um, our favorite resources for couples, um, working on yourself, working on your marriage. There's some intimacy resources. Some, um, if you're dealing with big issues in your marriage on intimacy, there's Sorry, some resources for that as well. 
Um, but the directory is there if you're looking for a counselor in your area so you can find somebody that um, is passionate to work on serv- with, with service couples. And then, of course, you can find us on social media. All of my social media handles are at Corey LPC. It stands for Licensed Professional Counselor. So at Corey LPC. And you're newly on Twitter. You've been having a big time with Twitter. So I know. It's <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't be doing it if I wasn't in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that's where you can find us in general. And so we're so thankful for the time that you've given us to just mm-hmm. really encourage um, you guys. We try to be transparent, obviously, with our own story, um, because we're not here to say that we have it all together, that we have all the answers. Um, marriage is hard, and this lifestyle is hard. Um, and so for us, I think it's just something that we're super passionate about to not only work on our own relationship and rewrite some stories um, in our life, but also do what we can to really Mm -hmm. encourage other people so that you don't feel stuck, so that you don't feel hopeless, that um, it's normal for you to struggle. Um, But it's also um, a great goal and it's very possible for you to have hope in your relationship and feel like you're going in a good direction. And that's what we're all wanting. So This is great. We also will be sharing the resource page for everybody that's attending the live version. Corey has a resource page um, that we'll share out with everybody. You can see a little bit bit of it here. And um, thank you, Corey, Matt, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And for our viewers that are watching us now next week, we also have a Coffee Connection Live. We're going to keep doing these weekly until we are told to stop. So we're just going to keep going with it. But join us next week, April 23rd. We'll have Elise, the Diva Chef Harris on. She was a contestant on um, Hell's Kitchen. Sorry, Chaplin. And um, (laughs) I've watched that show. That's what it looks like. Hell's Kitchen. (laughs) And she's also a military spouse. So we're excited to talk to Elise about fitness, nutrition, maybe do some boot camp moves. And then on May 1st, I'm really excited. We have Jim Brickman, the best-selling pianist. Um, He will be just playing a concert for us and playing some of our favorite songs. So we can just kind of sit back, relax, and listen to some beautiful music. And there's more um, Coffee Connection Lives into May. So just keep following what we're up to. Um, Corey, Matt, thank you very much. Can't wait until next time. Thank you guys so much. And thank you for everybody showing up. For those of you who showed up as couples, I hope it was um, maybe a a different kind of date night for you. So, and maybe watch it on replay for a different kind of date night for those of you who want to share it. So Awesome. And and remember, your marriage is worth the hard work. And if you're finding a professional that's not working for you, keep going and keep looking because your marriage is worth it. Love it. Thank you guys very much. Have a wonderful rest of the evening and... We'll talk to you all soon. Stay safe out there, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you're feeling especially grateful, head on over to patreon.com forward slash life giver or find the link in today's show notes where for just a couple of dollars, you can help breathe life into more service families. If you'd like more information about me or life giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org. 